Welcome to the Mortal Realms, an Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the Realm Gate this episode are... I'm Davey, and the path is... D-L-O-R-Y-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I
Um, I posted a little bit about that on online, um, put up a, a teaser video, um, kind of introducing the narrative and this is where you like, uh, surround a castle and read books at it until you, until they give up. Narrative yeah. Changes it. Oh. yeah. Yep. <laughs> until it falls <laughs> over. Um, and so, uh, yeah, getting excited, uh, for that and lots to, to think about in terms of, um, you know, how to make it fun, how to bring, uh, the kind of, um, realm master idea. So there's, you know, people are going to be, uh, trying to, we're going to give you some, uh, cool rules to try and master and siege or, or defend this castle. And then, uh, we'll have the realm masters to just befuddle all your plans. Befuddle. Befuddle. So, uh, but uh, no, it's been a lot of fun crafting story and uh and mechanics so i'm very excited to uh see this grow and and uh, be a part of it come the come the fall it's yeah. uh it feels narrative on the uh ambition and scale of some of the some of the best things that we've we've seen like um rise of empires and all, all that sort of thing so yeah. Let, let's not give him a big head before he even like <laughs> well there's there's some shoes to fill and i definitely have uh have all those uh um the eat bat um mitzi or eat bat foot eat foot bat uh the, the realms at war guys Jimbo nine Jimbo. Jimbo and, nine uh, just, and Jimbo they're all and then the the rise of empire you know all those guys are rooting us on and, and hoping that we can put on a good show that that brings uh more of that style of narrative uh to the west so midwest to the west all right so yeah more information on that coming uh as we as we get closer and have more stuff to reveal, et cetera. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously go to the YouTube channel. You can watch that video. It's really cool. Thanks, man. Wow. I don't know what to do after getting a compliment on this. I don't podcast. give those out. Don't give those out freely. No, we throw a couple out there just to make sure that you stick around for all the other. <laughs> shut shut me up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's the balancing of the scales. Yeah. The anvil of apotheosis. Need to need to strike a balance. All right. Sure, yeah. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we jump into the story phase? Uh, how could we how could we stop you once you've led into it with such a sweet bumper? <laughs> well, in the story phase, <laughs> we delve into the stories, the characters, the creatures, and the environments of the nine realms. All right. Take it away, the- Paul. Paul, take it away. Paul, take it away now. Paul, what are you doing? Away, Can you hear us? Oh, he's gone crazy. No. All right. <laughs> Mute him. The age of myth is over. After centuries of peace, the forces of chaos have returned to the mortal realms, and order is being overrun. Sigmar has retreated to Azir, and those left behind make their stand in the face of the numberless hordes of the dark gods. In the ruins of the Atlantic Empire, a few brave heroes lead their shattered armies in the defense of their once mighty realm. With their empress dead, a captain, a sorcerer, and the new emperor must make a stand and try to save their people. Paul, are you going to read it? Are you going to read it now? <laughs> totes. Totes. Is there, is there a joke in there about Atlantic Empire? Is there something there? Is it, I feel like there's something... Can... I feel like you can't go there anymore because it's just destroyed. But maybe you could have gone to there. And then, oh, then yeah. Atlantic. Atlantic. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's yeah. start the podcast. Is, it, is that like a Yelp review? <laughs> Checking in Atlantic? Get out of here. Oh. Three stars. That's why we need all four of us. Right. That's why we need all of us to do this. So we're starting with the spoiler-free bit of content. We're going to talk about the book without spoilers. So those of you listening who 
happen upon this can get a kind of a taste for it. Maybe go out and uh, based on this, make a decision on whether you want to take the time to read it. Um, and then, uh, and then we'll let you know when we're going to get into the spoilers, you can go away. If you, you know, get out of here, read it and then come back and listen. To sure. Yeah. We don't love you anymore. Please just go. So it's got a really sweet alarm. He's going to ring. That's not, don't, <laughs> totally. I don't, that's not true. <laughs> well, now you gotta, well, you have to, make, I said it. Make the noises that my daughter does. Um, guys, let's talk about the spoiler free <laughs> stuff. Let's get the facts. Everybody loves right. the facts. All right. About, Boring. Like, yeah, let's do real, real hard investigative journalism here uh when when are we doing this um i think i think it's appropriate that we're dealing with this story uh right on the heels of our um like, uh, undying undying king the nagash book because both are set uh in the age of chaos um i think nagash was a little bit deeper mm-hmm. into that age of chaos but this is sort of right on that cusp um right in the beginning um that's when this is that's when this is taking place so it's uh, be- beginning of the age of chaos um as far as we know, right right out the outset, uh, Sigmar is sort of uh, skipping town, uh, boogieing up out of here. Uh, as, as we've learned from other books, he's he's lost his hammer and he's like, oh nope, sorry, I'm going to take all my toys and go home. Um, and so he's he's heading back to Azir and bringing all his friends and balls with him. Um, the, the Pantheon's fractured. Uh, the the sort of last line last line of defense for the mortal realms is sort of falling a little bit. Um, that's the uh, the setting that we find ourselves in. Anything, anyone else have any, anything else they want to add? Just that it's a, it's a good setting to learn more about when we, when we first came into the age of Sigmar, um, it was kind of a, a little bit of a twist where um, the last thing we'd seen prior to getting here was the fall of the old world. And we arrived and not only is there a new world, but that new world has now almost fallen on top of that. Um, and so we knew that it had, but we didn't know a ton about the how or, what that looked like when it was happening or not a whole ton about what it looked like before. So this is filling out some of that kind of that history. And, uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit um, more later, I think about what that brings. But, uh, I think it's for someone who's wanting to lo- learn more about the the overall, I think it's cool to have another one set in this, to bulk this thing out that we don't know so much about. Well, and I think what's interesting here as a, as a point of, uh, you know, we here in our group and somewhat on, on Twitter and listening to other people talking, there's this certainly um, within, within the stories, uh, the black library stories, they certainly paint a picture intentionally of, you know, these gods as, as not black and white with shades of gray. And so I think this book will give more uh, fuel to being able to kind of debate, you know, the, the morality of Sigmar um, or, you know, what this this decision this decision is a pretty big one uh to call uh the the forces of order uh, back to azir um and there's there's a lot of opinions on whether that that's uh forthright or if it's cruel or um you know whether there's any business making this call you know and this book addresses that pretty pretty head on um i think it's neat that a lot of the like the actual age of Sigmar as a setting, like age wise, um, a lot of the books that we've read, um, even when we get the perspectives of the, you know, the, the, the pe- people on the ground or the people out there, and we get a lot of their opinions and sort of retroactively how they think about um, how the age of chaos went and how Sigmar reacted to it. But this is great that we sort of see it a little bit more while it's happening or you're sort of uh, concurrent with it. So it's not looking in the past, but dealing with it sort of in the, in a more present uh, tense, which mm-hmm. is cool. I'll support 
neat. Uh, we go from when. Let's talk about where. Where where are we at? So, uh, someone tell me what what realm we're in. I want to hear. I want to hear it stylized. Romo metal. Oh gosh, Romo! <laughs> there it is. That's the one I was looking for. I knew Paul would play. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're we're in Shaman. Um, specifically, not Azir because then we're in danger. Like this is not the, not the safe realm um, back in, back in the age of chaos. Um, we're getting a, a good sort of glimpse as we alluded to already of what uh, the residents of this particular realm sort of how they are dealing with uh, the threat of chaos um, knocking on their doorstep in this age. Um, and just again, like we said, how they are reacting to Sigmar's absence or whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it informs a lot of sort of uh, the action of the story or, or the, the, the history of like the, of, of these people that we're, we're following. Um, but beyond that, I don't know how much more it, it sort of changes how, how important it is to the, the plot per se. Do you guys feel like it really had a, a big effect again, besides some of the sweet, like stylized battles that we, that we read about? I think the, one of the cities that we were in very much has its place in the Royal metal. And I don't think it would make as much sense in any of the other realms. So for that reason, I would say, yes, I think the setting is important. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think it takes a place. Um, what I think we've got, I mean, there's it, it, a cool setting. I mean, the, 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 the character of the, of the Atlantic uh, empire that we meet talk about themselves as being like gold and steel. Um, so there's some elements there that kind of play into the character. Uh, and I think one of the cool things we do see, we do see a different free people, free guild, um, community or, or, you know, people, uh, expressed in a really unique way. Um, and, uh, man, it makes me wonder how, how they're going, if they are going to change the, the free guild at any point, do it bring out any new models or whatnot? Like there's so much variety to choose from in terms of the lore, um, from, uh, from, you know, uh, barbarian, you know, clans to something like this to, um, you know, Bretonian style, um, pageantry. So there's, there's just so many expressions of free guild. And this is just a really cool one that would be fun to, I don't know. I don't know how you would get models for this on the table, but, it's pretty cool. Sure. And actually, I'm gonna go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I, I maybe maybe I take back what I said before when I was saying that the the realm wasn't having as much effect on the plot. No, it does, especially with the point when you make about how I think a lot of the decisions that the people are making that we're following, which we'll talk about later, um, stem from the fact that they consider themselves sort of you know tough like iron or, or what have you that comes up mm. occasionally. Um, so you're right. No, it it does inform. Um, the the events that we see in the book. I forgot about that. Um, and then just as furthermore, it's fun because, you know, we get all these new armies coming out, uh, you know, your, your, your fire slayers, your silver knife, whatever. Uh, it, it seems like every single one has like a sub faction where it's like, well, this is this army, but it happens to live in this realm. Um, I didn't really put two and two together, but that is almost what we're seeing here with like a free guild army. It's, hey, these are the free guild armies. And what happens if they lived in Shaman? What, what's a metal version of them? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of following that same trend that you see with the other armies, I guess. I wasn't thinking about it because it's just regular humans, but obviously it's, it's not. Nope. There's a really, there's a really interesting point that I want to make when we get into the spoiler section. That we'll is, I think very key. We will uh, let you make one very... point when we get into the spoiler section. 
And I think it's specifically key to being in the Rumble Medal. So. Okay. And if, um, if it's not a key point, spoil it, but... you take a point so... away from you. Oh, hey. <laughs> are we keeping track here? I didn't know we were keeping track. This is an objective-based so podcast. Rules are definitely so points. Many matter, points. <laughs> but we are keeping track. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so scattered. I don't even know where the objectives are. Yeah. Oh God! I literally wrote down that the realm of metal informs the type of people in the civilization that the land. <laughs> literally right there. You're uh, pulling back the curtain, Aaron. I, I need to read it the morning oh, before man. we talk about it for me to remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> Who would do that? Do I get points taken away for that? Uh, well, no. I'd have to get points taken away then too, right? All right, let's. We've alluded to uh, the people. Let's let's talk about who. Um, so, right, even I think in the in the summary of this story, they talk about the sort of the three players that we're we're dealing with um, of this of this Atlantic Empire in the realm of metal. So, um, we're, we're these these characters have something in common in that they're sort of dealing with being thrust into positions that they aren't prepared for. Like chaos is overrunning uh, their their empire. Um, and and the the people we're following aren't aren't traditionally in in these uh, roles of of leadership, I guess you'd say. And so, who who wants to talk about Captain Captain Sulla? Tell me about her. Oh, Captain Sulla, uh, she is a, a venerated um, warrior in uh, in the Atlantic Legion. She's a captain in Atlantic Legion, and um, she is uh, serving. Um, a particularly kind of well-known hero who doesn't get a ton of time, Zerastia. Um, shoot, that was a spoiler. Um, <laughs> it's Captain Sulla, uh, and, and she's a takes orders, right? She's, um, she's a soldier. She knows her place at the same time. Uh, early on, we see that she's a little bit disillusioned by um, specifically Sigmar, um, so that that voice of like, you know, of, you know, what's going on here? Who is he um, to, you know, make decisions he's made? Um, She's, you find out early on that she's a little sour. Sure. Um, So that's, that's our captain, uh, the martial prowess character. Um, But we also have a, a wizard, like every good party must have. Uh, And this is, this is Kazlan, Kazlan, everyone, Kazlan. That works for me. Okay, perfect. Say it again, though. Uh, Kazlan, one more time. Uh, Who who wants to tell me about this this crafty wizard? Well, he is a sorcerer in the Gilded Order. Uh, So um, it very much appears to be a, in the old world, he would have been a realm of metal wizard, a metal wizard of Shaman. What what were those called again? Amber or? um, Battle wizards? Gold. Gold. That's I was looking for them. Yeah. He was a gold wizard. Balthazar Gelt was the head of the uh, Magician's Guild, and he was a gold wizard. So, mm, yeah, um, interesting yeah. that we've got gold here. He'll be uh, yeah. he'll be brought back to the Age of Sigmar any day now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's an interesting character. He is he's definitely not the head of the order. He is one of the underlings, um, but he is not the lowest of the low. He's kind of middling, third of middling in the order. He has access to some things that most people don't have, but he's not. If you were to rank him, what number would you give him? Uh, if we're doing like a one to eight for spider legs, I'd do like four, maybe? Perfect. Four or five. Middling. Okay, cool. <laughs> and he's uh, he's kind of, when we meet him, uh, he's 
kind of taking charge of of defenses. Um, the city itself, right? Yeah, correct. Um, so he's got some he's got some magical that our, skills that we're going to talk. That about. was that was not the spoiler bell. Sure, no. <laughs> All right, spoilers now. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the third uh, character, this this uh, emperor thrust into a role I was not expecting to get is is this is this Livius. And Davey, I'm sorry, you're the last one, so you got to talk. To, you got to yeah. talk about this this chump. He's the last one we meet. He's uh, part of a royal bloodline of this empire um, of and this empire itself. Uh, the family and the empire is crumbling under the the assaults during the Age of Chaos, and uh, uh, he will be the first to tell you that he is not the anyone's first choice for the throne. Um, he's pretty far down that family, but circumstances have led him into this. And uh, now the question is whether he'll rise to that challenge or not. Sure. And I think he's down the line also, I mean, because of literally like lines of succession, but um, um, you'll get the, imp- you'll, we'll all find out that he's not the most. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a lot of leadership qualities. Uh, is a nice way to put it. He's not well, if we use uh, Paul's scale, Captain Sola is like a number two on the, like two legs, the sure. second leg. Caslon's like number four, and Livius is like the eighth leg. Okay, if, or like some other leg. Yeah. If one is the best, yeah, okay. yeah, okay. All right. I always heard first is the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I would think eight is the best, right? Because normal people have two legs, so like eight would be the top. All right, so Solo would be seven, Caslon four, and Livius one. But then, if are four legs good and two legs better, hmm. four. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to all the listeners at this point. <laughs> I apologize. Wait, this one apology. I just, I just want people to know that I don't just read like Sigmar fiction. I'm, I'm well enough read to have read uh, a little bit of Orwell. Anyways, um, let's let's go to the what. Let's talk about the what. What's going on here? Um, so, like we said before, we're basically following the perspective of these three aforementioned uh, characters as they're basically going to try and save what's left of this. Um, empire. Um, they're facing overwhelming odds. Uh, they don't call it the age of chaos because there's just a little bit of chaos, but like they're 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 facing you know overwhelming numbers, of chaos at every every turn, um, and uh, they're being chased, like literally actively being hunted to extinction. So, question is, is what are these three different individuals? How are they going to go about um, saving themselves and their people? Mm-hmm. Not an easy task. Yeah, they're you know under siege, as it were. And it was funny, we were talking about the, the you know, siege event that were starting to be percolating. We're like, where can we go for inspiration? Uh, and it was, you know. Did we right all do there. the hands though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was right here in the book we were reading. So uh, it was kind of cool. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and uh, I, I mean, it was just cool to kind of, yeah, there's this kind of last pull um, back to the city. And how do, how do they... Um, and we got that a little bit with, uh, you know, uh, Legion of the Gash, where, you know, the forts, the fortresses were kind of being overrun and then kind of led to a final siege. So these, I mean, these sieges are important. They're an important part of our Age of Sigmar history. <laughs> so I have something that's, I don't think it's a spoiler, but if it is a spoiler, it's a very tiny spoiler. We'll whisper it. Go ahead and say it right now. Type it in the chat. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to whisper it. We're about to hit so, the spoiler section. Yeah, I mean, we're the, right there. I if you know, want to wait. I know, but I just want to give one more hint. Right? He just wants to ruin for it for that, everyone. For people that haven't read the book, right? So the Atlantic Empire was this huge, huge empire that spanned the realms, right? And we come into the story, and 
everybody thinks that almost everything has been destroyed. Right? Yeah. So we come along the last remnants trying to rescue the last city. Right? So we have this whole rich, varied background. But as far as we know, there's one city left. And that's where this story starts. So I don't think that's a spoiler. No. That no. helps a lot to set the setting of what we're actually reading about here. I think that's book jacket material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I approve. I like that you still got real close to it, though. Yeah. I, I, was, I was whispering. You actually weren't, but... <laughs> I was trying to be audible. I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, cool. So oh, we, we can get in the spoilers in just a hot second, but I feel like we normally talk about yeah. what, what we thought. But let's, let's give our, our thoughts so people know if they should go out and read it. Definitely. I'm going to go last. Um, I think, and I've said it many times, I think uh, a lot of Black Library stuff works very well as uh, short stories. This is a shorter piece of fiction, uh, and you can get a lot of uh, entertainment. It's high-efficiency entertainment. And uh, like I was saying earlier, it tells us about a part about the uh, Mortal Realms that we didn't know a lot about. And uh, I'll save the rest of my assessment for the spoiler section. But, yeah, I recommend. Paul, you're next, uh, you're so- next on my screen. So uh, um, I would point out that this is written by Evan Dickin. This is his first book that he he's written for Black Library, but he's written other books, right? So this is kind of an interesting thing that we haven't talked about on the cast before, but somebody who's an established author who's writing in the Mortal Realms for the first time. Um, so if you have an idea of what it feels like or why this is important to the author, there's actually a really cool post uh, that they put on Twitter from Evan Dickin himself about how excited he was to have this book published and how for him, this is the life goal, right? So um, it's a short story. It's a first time black library author, but it's not a first time writer. And it's somebody who, you know, has been kind of living his life with this goal in mind. So it's, it's got a lot more passion than might be apparent from somebody if you look at it you go oh this guy hasn't written anything for black library oh it's a short story it's not going to be that good i would caution you to not assume that so you would not want them to be cautious about reading it yes they should basically, read it. basically what you're saying is people have to like it or you're going to crush this man no 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 no, no. <laughs> i didn't say that or paul wagner will come to your home <laughs> It sounds like it sounds like you recommend it. People should give it a shot. Yes, for sure. It's a short story. It's well done. I like it a lot. Sure. I like it a lot. I think I like people should be like hesitant to not realize how influential the writer was on writing this book. Uh, this was a. I thought it was a really good book. It was. Uh, it's a quick read. It's not uh, as Davy said. Uh, it's it's short form. Um, each of these characters, uh, I could have, I mean, easily could have been like their own little vignette, um, kind of peek into some aspect of this culture and kind of like st- in this point in time in in the the age of chaos, um, in the circumstance, and and all of them are you know have really compelling story arcs in this, and I think you know to the. I think, you know, and, and when we talk about it, you know, later I'll give, get more detail, but I could see these guys continuing on and hearing more little kind of snippets and tid- tidbits, you know, the way Josh Reynolds kind of pulls characters into other things. Um, I'm invested. So in this, you know, however many pages in this ebook uh, or EPUB, you know, it, it, 
it got me really kind of pumped to, to see what happens next. And it's a unique kind of perspective uh, and from all three of them. So I really liked it a lot. Right. Um, I want to add one more detail before we go on to the uh, spoiler-free zone after Aaron. Um, so there was that campaign supplement that was put out last year. What was that called again? It's like Path Above Glory, Path Around, path around Glory. True. No, the, like, the flame, the flame. Ah, I'm totally blanking here. Firestorm. Oh, was, yeah. I was just, Firestorm. I was just kidding. You're not talking about Path to Glory. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Path to Glory. I'm talking about Firestorm. Because Firestorm is set in the realm of metal, if I'm not mistaken, and it does talk about the Atlantic Empire slightly. Am I correct? I think I it's an action because I'm literally putting it out on the internet. I think it's an action. Um, it's over. There. I'm not going to open it, but it's over there. Okay. Um, all right, let me find the Atlantic it, Empire somewhere. We have it's popped this up. This is an expansion uh, upon it. It was referenced in, uh, I believe, the Arc Yeah, Arcane Battletome. Or the Ever Chosen Battletome, right? All right. Is that what okay. you were going to say, Davey? I'm sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> All right, I'm not sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get past this because I'm embarrassed. Uh, I, I also recommend the book. First of all, we kept saying it was a short story. It's not like your like short like your e-shorts that they post out, like it's a little bit longer than that. It's just not a, a whole novel by any means. It's somewhere in between, I think. Um, like it has like almost chapters in it. Um, uh, I, I definitely really, really liked it. Um, I, I love the fact that it was very um, coherent and concise. And I think that's the nature of it being sort of shorter. Like it had a very clear beginning, middle and end. Uh, the, the, the characters are all very believable and like had their own motivations, like which you can't always say about every book that we read. Um, all in all, it was just well crafted, like a, gr- a great idea and a great execution of that idea. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm all for it. Like I want to, I'll, a I want to read more about these characters, but I'd I'd read more from more from Mr. Uh, Dickin as well. Good job, man. <laughs> all right. Oh, he's not on Twitter. I was gonna try and link him. All right. I don't so think now, he is. if if what him. we said enticed you to go and read this book, uh, take a little bit of time. Again, it's maybe take you a few days or a week to to put it together or to read it. Um, then stop now. Um, Aaron's going to insert the spoiler alarm right now. No. Can someone have someone ring that doorbell again? <laughs> All right. So spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Right um, stop, read zone. stop. Read the book. <laughs> and here we go. Done. And done. Um, this is, this is normally the part where we talk about what happens. Like, Plot wise, um, so someone someone talking through who who do we who do we meet first? I think we already went in that order, but like, yeah. where do we find ourselves? Captain Sola is on the battlefield. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, right? No, you're right. Got it. And she is fighting under the banner of Empress Zerastia, um, and they're up against the Chaos Lord, uh, the Winnower. Um, that's his nickname. You know, All he does I think, is winnow, winnow, winnow. Win, is winnowing like? <laughs> Isn't that like like carving with a knife, like carving wood? That's whittling. No, whittling. No, it's actually what I go when when we go whittling, fishing. That's like what we use. Scythe, but you just take out everything, right? You no one heard my sweet minnow joke. Mm. I'm sorry. You can repeat it. Can't repeat jokes. Rule number one of comedy. Anyways, continue. It, it is removing the chaff uh, from grain, usually by blowing air. There we go. Um, so, and there's enough of that 
hot air here uh, to winnow. Guys, spoiler uh, alert! That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, so. So fighting under Empress Zerastia and um, they're coming on this kind of battlefield and they're, they're coming up and, and Zerastia comes into a one-on-one uh, battle with uh, the Winnower. Uh, and uh, from afar, right? Like, yeah. So what I loved about this is like, you have all these moments in these where like, Oh, okay. Like it's the big fight and we're going to watch the, you know, the two. And it's usually just the character you're following is in this big fight. And this is like, what does it look like from somebody who's just in the battle line, just grinding it out and seeing this? Yeah. So Kala's trying to get to uh, kind of get there to back her up. Um, and there may be some like, you know, they were told to hold, but you know, that's not happening. Uh, mm-hmm. So she's not, she's, she's trying to make the judgments that she can in the moment um, to, to best serve. Um, but in the end, uh, uh, they are not, they do not do well. Uh, Empress Zerastia falls uh, and they have to make a retreat. Um, and the kind of closest um, city that they're not, they're not from the city. I don't think, I think they're coming from somewhere else to come together and meet up with other um, uh, armies of the Atlantic empire. And they're going to uh, somebody else pronounce this word. Uliastai. Wow. Nice. What does that translate to in Atlantic? The city of gears. Nice. Henceforth, we will call it the city of gears. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we could just pause a moment, I, I really like the description of Empress Zerastia because she was described as having armor that was steel and gold, which you had kind of mentioned before, and will come up again later. But it was interlaced armor that had the steel and gold together, and then it was talking about the shield and the sword, and how it was an ancient art. And I think that's also a metaphor for how this story kind of plays out as well. So that was a really cool, like, foreshadowing of what's going on with the story, in my opinion. Sure. Is it, is it also a metaphor how she got her back straight up broken? <laughs> Boom. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. Actually. No. You're breaking the backs well, of the, the, the laborers of the city. Well, I mean, I guess if you want to stretch it, you could say she it broke her spine, right? So the steel in her spine was broken. But then the gold was the lightning bolt going up from her body when she was call the sigmar so I, boom. I knew you i knew you'd have something um but yeah that's also a, a fun little tidbit and then she actually gets reforged so like this sort of illustrates the the time frame that we're dealing with as well is that sigmar at least has the idea of what he's going to be doing with um souls and yeah nobody else does down here yeah, like nobody knows what just happened they saw that lightning zoom up but like what was that all about so. actually that and this is maybe a different conversation for another time, but like, even now, does anybody know what that lightning is? Like, mm-hmm. do the regular people of the, like today, I mean, whatever today is, but like, do they know when someone gets yanked? No. No, Are but you, I would, so I would who, admit a lot of the chaos forces that have fought against them at this point, you know, understand. Get an idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, Cor- does Corgus Cole kind of talk about that with Vandis, how he was stolen from him uh, in the first book? Oh um, yeah. Well, his, uh, when, Back when Vandis was the blacksmith fella, mm-hmm. yep. uh, he, he escaped somehow. So, sure. and then yep. presumably, our, I mean, oh, we're going far afield, but Arkham probably knows too. He's, he's running his hands through a lightning bolt. Once, so once you see it a few times, and then and then uh, see the storm cast, you put you put two and two together, right? Um, Safe, but yeah, but this is interesting. Timeline is just knowing that uh, the anvil of apotheosis is clanging before the gates of. Azir are shut. Well, and another interesting point here is that we're talking about Sigmar, we're talking about the lightning, we're talking about reforging, right? 
but Sulla <clears throat> talks about the God who no longer listens, right? She refuses to pray to the God who no longer answers. Sure. She doesn't say who that is yet, but yeah, like, so that's a very important part of her character. She's like, See, this is a terrible situation. We're totally losing. There's nothing we can do. The rallying cry is always, we will save every Lantian that we can, right? <clears throat> and so they fight on until the Empress dies. And then the the banner bearer, Ardahir, is like, we need to go back. And she's like, no, we need to save every Lantic soldier. And she's, he says, there are none left. There is yeah. no one left to save. And that's when they choose to retreat, Right. And this will this will be uh, there's some repetition here, mm-hmm. um, and we'll, uh, if you'll allow, we can. I'll, you know, we'll see it again. We'll bring it up and and uh, but at the end, I think it'll, this repetition is important. Sure, please yeah. do. Hey, let's talk about character number two. Who, who do we meet next? Caslan. This is probably my favorite. I I I talked about Sola, but I just want to point. This is probably one of my favorite like scenes. Maybe in it's it's top it's in the top five of like any of the scenes in any book of any book ever of Age <laughs> of Sigmar books. Oh, I mean, even so, like I mean, that's four legs, four legs good, two legs bad is another one. Sure, <laughs> it, it, it ranks, it ranks up there. Well, it sounds like this is one of Eric's favorite scenes. Who wants to take the scene away from Eric and, mm-hmm. and steal his joy? <laughs> I'm already I'm giving it. You're not taking it. I'm giving it. No, I'm lead, I'm just leading. So like I didn't even read it. So. Go, Paul. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Kazlan is a uh, member of the Gold Order. Uh, the really cool thing they talk about is that they're basically in this walled city. We are in the city of Gears, right? So at this point, it's just kind of like, yep, it is the city of Gears. You know that they're going to... That's what uh, he says. Uliashtai. Yep. Uliashtai is where they're coming from. Uh, but you're introduced to the city itself, not by an introduction to the buildings, not by an introduction to the walls, but you're introduced to it by the purview of Kazlan here and Kazlan is here in standing on the walls and then there's more of apprentice types that are in front of him and what they are doing is they are weaving or singing these arcane geometries these perfect geometries into the magic and they are making this perfect geometrical structure that is embodied through magic that is protecting the city itself and basically it's this impenetrable shell that is sung into existence by the gold order and every time the chaos attacks they just sing the barrier into existence and reinforce it while the attack is going on and then chaos goes away comes back two weeks later they've been doing this over and over and over again Aaron Um, what does it look like to you uh, to me it looks like a lot of math no uh, it looks like if you guys ever saw um, Doctor Strange, like when he does all this this stuff, and then like the shields pop up and punches it, and uh, I mean, there's a whip. Anyways, uh, it, it's it's very reminiscent of the magic in Doctor Strange. I agree. I feel I'm like sorry, it's. I was put on the spot. I really overdid that. I feel like it's Biodome with Polly Shore. It's that geodesic dome, right? Oh, no. It's all geodesic. Oh, no. <laughs> we all know how that goes. Totally, dude. Yeah. Um, it's pretty legit. Um, and as as you guys would expect, uh, there's that big protective dome, and it lasts forever. And that's the end of the story. Everybody looks happy. <laughs> Yay! Well, there's a, I think, you know, if you look at the Malign Portents uh, graphics, and you see those kind of circles and lines running through those graphics, like that feels like a, a piece of that. Um, you know, concentric circles 
somewhat off-centered lines running through them, connecting to other circles. Um, and then um, the in the blind portent stuff, the, oh, whatever the, what's the new Stormcast guy? Lord. Ordinator. Uh, Ordinator. Uh, you know, his, his job in building things is to look at the sacred geometries and build according to those to help strengthen and, and whatnot. And so this is the same geometries. I would, I would assume geometry is geometry Ooh. unless it's algebra. I don't know much about algebra. Um, and so, trigonometry. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, just, it's another place it pops up and it, yeah, it talks about these basically like the other thing is, um, you know, the idea of ley lines um, or like that there's these connections or we, we go back to, um, some of the, the Sylvaneth in their pathways and how like there's just these ley lines of magic that run through things. Um, all those things could be connected. Um, as ley case, lines do. As ley, ley lines do it all the time. They cannot. <laughs> uh, as far as uh, I know, in my experience. Oh, man, we're, point, we're getting like, phases from David. <laughs> Are you surprised by this? <laughs> we're just making it worse. So, so when we talk about... We talk about Castland. He's basically on a note of this ley line, and he talks about the apprentices are more on more of the smaller notes, right? Like, so they're set up in this geometrical pattern as they are singing this geometrical dome into existence that is impenetrable, right? And and then what happens? Impenetrable chaos. Great. That's a great explanation. Really explains what happened. Top to bottom. So what happens is, I mean, something, he thinks that it's impenetrable. He thinks they can hold out forever. He's confident in, you know, as long as the geometries are sound. Um, But there's something that seems to have been um, weaved, woven of magics. Woved, I think it is. Wove that start affecting the ley lines. Weaved, Um, weaved. And he, he doesn't sense it until he starts seeing the ley lines warp. And, and shift and change <clears throat> and it's super interesting that kind of the idea I, again reading some things about sieges is that um, sometimes you're when you're trying to siege something you start from way back where you can't be noticed or where you can't be hit by the arrows or by the the anti-siege stuff right you you start far enough back that you're protected and then you work your way towards maybe the wall maybe you're building a ramp so you start way at the back and you build it up and so it's kind of felt like that to me in hindsight of just like they they start kind of way outside of where Caslon and the other uh, gilded order can like sense them. And they start working this magic kind of probably on a ley line that, or, or geometric sacred geometry that's not connected or something or far enough away that they're whatever. And then they start bringing it closer to them. And by the time it gets there, it's strong enough. It's more, it's powerful enough to just warp what they're working on. Um, And so just the, you get the sense that this has been coming and they just didn't see it. Yeah. Who's leading? Who's leading these people? The winner. Oh no, it's not the winner here. Blood tongue. Blood tongue. Got your cat. <laughs> Proud of that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the winner for some more aid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, is not working alone, as you might expect. Like they're, they're dealing with these threats on multiple front fronts, and uh, another chaos. I think he's like a sorcerer lord or, or something equivalent to that. Um, uh, who, who's this Skein, Skein Blood Tongue? And he's got a hundred chaos sorcerers in his employ, and uh, so they're they're more uh, the, the magical firepower of this particular chaos invading horde. Um, and who better to take down uh, 
the sacred geometries. Um, did you guys get a sense that it was like the apprentices fault? Like, like they, their experience, like lack of experience is what like led to the dome falling or did I just make that up? I mean, uh, I personally didn't get that sense, but all right, I'm making it up. Cool. I mean, this, the front line, it's kind of like, you need a, a magic user here. You need a wizard here, a wizard here, a wizard here, a wizard here, a wizard here. And then that, what happened is that wave came in and like those, those younger wizards who were on that front line connected to the geometries started fading, started like sure. getting like, you know, like they were falling. And so once you break that pattern, once you break where the, where the users are, it starts, uh, the integrity of the whole structure goes away. Sure. Right? I was just looking yeah. for an excuse, an excuse to blame an intern. I mean, basically, It's the kids choir, right? <laughs> the kids choir, the youth choir. But we're talking about geometries and stuff like that. We're like, you know, they can trace bridge collapses back to like, you know, a single bolt shearing and like that sheared off, which failed and stressed this thing. And then it just, you know, ripple effect on um, mm-hmm. and, and uh, cause a total collapse. And so that's what happens here. So yeah. I do yeah, like anything that I takes actually... a, I do like anything that takes a, a magic system and gives you some sense that there's an underlying logic behind it. Like there's, this is working in a particular way. I did a good job of doing that with, you know, oh, it was just more powerful magic. And then they're already pretty, you know, it was like, okay, well, they managed to, like, the whole sneaking it in from far away. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, From my perspective, what I kind of read into it is that Kozlan was in charge of this section of the defenses. And he was supposed to be making sure that everything was reinforced. But as we talked about before, he was like, no, the geometry is perfect. It's great. Everything is perfect, right? And so Everything he was supposed awesome. to watch over these apprentices to make sure that they were good and reinforce them. Part of a team. But then unfortunately, he noticed that it started to bow, but at that point I feel like it was too late, right? Like he should have noticed that the sacred geometries are starting to change first. And so in my opinion, what I read was that Kazland's inattention led to the apprentices failing. And they failed spectacularly because they just went up in these like bolts of fire, basically. They were consumed by the sacred geometries and then everything fell. Right? Like, that's the way I read the book. I will also say that if what I like about your statement, Davey, as far as like there being an underpinning to this type of magic is that I hope that we see, you know, obviously like chaos magic has different underpinnings, right? Works differently. Um, when we get to Age of Sigmar role play, I hope that there's some magic use that that kind of emphasizes different types of magic. And, and so, say, so, in order to catch and, this spell, you stand here, Davy. You stand here, Eric. You stand here, Aaron. Oh, I'm going to be the apprentice. That'll be just the right kind of annoying gameplay. <laughs> And so uh, Chaos knocks down the entire barrier, and that was the Boom. only thing they wanted to do, and they up and left, and that was the end of the book. <laughs> no, quit. great. Good job. Aaron, quit stopping it prematurely. <laughs> uh, there's a – nope. Let, let it ride. We'll, we'll keep going. So uh, this is an important part for Kazlan's character uh, because he says everything was perfect. Everything was great, right? And it failed. So – obviously this order is imperfect and he's like crap we need to go tell somebody but like there's something wrong here everything was perfect there should have been no failure whatsoever but everything has failed so therefore my belief system must change right like there was definitely a conscious choice in him to say the sacred geometries were wrong 
He does jump to that conclusion real quickly. He does. And then he says, everything is kind of wrong. We need to, we need to let loose on these sacred geometries a little bit, right? Because they failed on us. So let's figure out what else we can do. Right on. And so how does he do that? He, uh, he returns to the palace of the autarch, if I'm not mistaken. Well, not just him, like everybody, right? Like the, the walls come down and like people start having to like flee or does that happen now? I'm pretty sure it does. Like, right. Like that's well, at this point, the, the doors were closed. So he convinces them to open the doors first because there's this huge mass of refugees that are outside of the doors. Sure. Because the autarch had decided they were going to shut the city because they didn't want to deal with all of these refugees that were coming in. So they allow in the masses of the refugees of the Atlantic Empire to come into the city itself and flee towards the Autarch Palace. So he has to go and let them know that all of a sudden everything has changed, right? Another. So we'll pinpoint that as another kind of story moment where doors are, somebody decides to close doors as a point mm-hmm. of, hey, this is where we're drawing the line. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, but it's, yeah. it's also a. It's also a point of defining their character, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is as far as we're willing to go. Well, and then, yeah, and as you said, Kazlan goes back to the tower to try and figure out what's happening with the higher-ups. And who's left? Who's there? Nobody. Ain't nobody. Nobody. Ain't nobody there. One man. Livius uh, awakes amongst the dead. So uh, this royal wakes up in the palace. The palace has been closed off. Uh, and we learn now, we haven't really heard anything else about it, but the, the palace has been quiet because uh, a plague has overtaken the, the royal families um, in the palace. And everywhere he goes, just bodies laying everywhere. And uh, he's real sick. Um, and he can hear the voices, you know, he, he's, uh, he's hearing the voices of his mother, you know, saying that he's worthless, he's messed up, all these, all these sorts of things. And uh, he... As he's staggering around, he finds a family heirloom, this sword, Widow Bane. Uh, and he'd been told he's not worthy of it, but you know, now I'm worthy now. There's no one else. I have to be worthy, right? So. <laughs> to be clear, question about Widow Bane. Is, does that mean it's the Bane of Widows? Like he's just rolling around, like hacking up Widows? Like that doesn't seem very impressive. Mm, right. That's like the most heartless sword ever, right? Like, oh, you just lost your spouse. I'm not. Saying, you're saying Widows are weak? Yeah, okay, well, that's not what I'm saying. I want to be careful with no, what I say that here. That's what I said either. Right. Guys, guys, random name generator. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Dot um, org. Well, fair, right. fair enough. <laughs> Good diversion out of the name Widow Bane, but yeah. uh, he, he goes and realizes <laughs> that he's the only member of the royal family, possibly the only member of the royal family left alive. Um, and he's like, well, what is, does that mean I'm in charge now? I don't know. Like, what? And as he's trying to figure this out, uh, the people who have fled through the city, including a cool element where they uh, escape, like they buy time by running through the, the districts that shift. You know, we saw this before in the Realm Gate Wars where they rotate uh, with gears and such, right? Yeah, like a uh, Harry, Harry Potter towers. And... Sure, right. Yeah, uh, well, that's... But the, the natives like know how that goes. And so pursuing armies are like, oh, this is super confusing. Like we're getting all turned around. Uh, and so the, the fleeing refugees buy themselves some time get outside his doors and he decides to open them up. Uh, and much to the dismay of Sola and Kaslan, there's, uh, there's not, you know, a powerful royal force inside to, uh, to take over. There's just one sickly looking weak willed individual. Um, yep. so. Likes hacking up widows apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well then real quick, 
when Kozlan was in the tower, he found something. Right, we missed that, didn't we? So, uh, which is which is fine, but he he finds is it locked away? It's like in some sort of like, it's like, like in the deepest safe, vault. Like, yeah, yeah spell vault. vault, yeah. And so he manages. He's not supposed to go in there usually because he's not high enough level. But since nobody else is there now, he's uh, spider leg number eight in the building. Now who's the highest level guy? Now who's eight legs? And uh, level he, four amber wizard or gold wizard. And and one of the things that happens when he grabs this thing is he feels that it has a ton of power and a ton of potential. He kind of says, "Hey, maybe I can use this," and it starts kind of. He can kind of see where what went wrong before. He starts getting a little bit of information, can see clearly some things. Uh, it's, it maybe starts to speak to him a little bit. You can get a sense that this was locked away because it may be too powerful. So um, this is like a metal staff, right? Like steel or gold or I would, something more in the realm of metal, right? I didn't. I didn't get. I don't remember that since. I don't remember the description that clearly. Um, oh, sorry. It was a crystal staff. There you go. I wondered. Metal. First thing that came to my head is it one of the eight lamentations? Maybe not. Interesting. But oh, do we know all of them? It'd be, it'd be really cool to hide one of the eight lamentations in a book that's not named eight lamentations. I mean, how cool would that be? Oh, I think Reynolds probably has like a TMG. Yeah, he probably has that locked down. Yeah. I mean, there, there, we did read about one in a book that was not labeled one That's of the true. limitations. So, Auction of um, but Paul brings up a good point, though. Like, <laughs> I, whether or not he, it's not made of metal. It's not an artifact of this like era. Like the fact that it's not made of metal here, but rather made of ah. crystal. I think is actually probably a pretty telling. Um, Could be tidbit factoid. Um, well, and then jumping back. So, if if we want to hit back. Olivia's real quick. It, it's interesting that like all his all his all his royals were taken out by a plague. Um, they don't explicitly say, but Winnower, the Winnower from before kind of comes off as a fairly Cornish, not Cornish, but uh, cornate, whatever the adjective verb that or form of that is, uh, type of dude. Um, a blood tongue c- comes across as real Zinchian, and then what? Lo and behold, all the royals were killed by a plague. I feel like uh, we got a lot of different chaos elements working in conjunction yep. here to. Uh, mm-hmm. Eliminate the Atlantic so, Empire. So no, it's early on in the Age of Chaos when yeah. they're still getting along. Well, um, best yeah. buds you know. working together. Hey, let's do this together, guys. Sure. Um, I thought that was fun. Um, no, I like that. So yeah. then, yeah, so, but at the point uh, Davy was bringing up, Livius, um, uh, uh, Castlin, and Sola had all met up because they're they have an idea of what to do next. They're going to escape the city. So we want to take it from there. There is an underway um, that, and it has been mentioned already. Sola, I think. Underwear. Uh, underway. Uh, Sola. You said. Are, oh, Sola, <laughs> uh, Stop interrupting, Davy. Let him talk. He's I'm good. Uh, all right, so there's a dwarven underway, and we're familiar with this idea from the world that was right, but it's it's a massive underground passageway, and they're going to use this to try and escape the city. Um, that's what it's designed for. Uh, it needs uh, a special effort to open it. I think only a person of royal blood can open it, and so Kazlan has to uh, talk Livius into doing it. Even though Livius is like, "Oh, it might kill me. Like, I don't. I haven't trained at this. It takes a lot of energy, whatever." Um, and uh, Kazlan is able to use this artifact he has to in, exert influence over the emperor. Sola sees this and is like, whoa, hey, like, 
I saw what you did. Uncool. Like the emperor, you know, he's, he's the emperor's the emperor. You can't, you can't bend him to your will. And if you ever try that again or try that on me, like we're going to have problems. Um, but they're going to make this escape. Also notable is that the Lofnir Lodge, some fire slayers, um, were thought to have betrayed the Atlantic Empire, sold them out. Um, now, again, we don't, we haven't seen this actually happen. This is Solo's perception of it. So it very well could have happened. We've, we've uh, seen implied in other stories that uh, fire slayers could potentially um, mercenary out to, to the chaos forces. And I uh, imagine if the, the Urgold price was right, they might, they might do it. Wait, fire yeah. slayers are untrustworthy. That doesn't, that doesn't track. <laughs> so they're, uh, so they're going to use this to escape. Um, but the problem is at some point they're going to have to close the gates to the palace to prevent uh, pursuit. And so all of a sudden we're in that same situation. The gate has, somebody has yeah. to make a decision to close the gate and cut people off. And there's a, there's a debate between the three of them. Uh, and it's, it sits at first, you know, it seems like really just a debate between Sulla and Kaslan. Um, but uh, Livius, you know, has a role in this too, as the, as the emperor to, to make the decision. So they do end up, shutting it, um, hearing the wails of despair from outside, and then going to make their escape. Um, what's fun about this, and I feel like we might have talked about this in a different setting at a different time, but um, the, the the idea of how these gates are opened and closed mm-hmm. and how it, it's necessary that Livius is the one to do it because it requires a certain like royal bloodline to do so. This whole concept is like never really explained or like walked through which may like rub some people the wrong way, but I loved, like, I love that. I didn't get my like handheld through this and that just like, they just, we just took for granted by the fact that like, yeah, this guy's a Royal and he can like, Oh, like he's not even metal. Like he's controlling, like maybe it is metal. I don't know, but like, like gear shift uh, doors and things. And like, just because of his blood, like we got the super powerful wizard, especially because he's souped up with a a crystal staff and even he can't do the things that the emperor can do because, because of like his bloodline. And this is barely like, even referenced or I mean, barely even like delved into like everybody just assumes that this is the case, um, which I like. I mean, it's a short story. We don't have time to like walk through every little like detail as to how this magic works. We're in the moral realms, baby. Like anything can happen. Um, so it was cool. Yeah. I and- bet our, our favorite uh, vampires would love to taste this blood. Oh, sure. Well, unless it like has a real like high iron count. <laughs> it's still diseasy. Uh, but this this escape route not only is it escaping from the city, but they have a chance to make it to uh, a particular realm gate, which could get them to the safety of Azir. Um, so this is this what, is a desperate plan, the, and they're writing off the Atlantic Empire by doing so, right there. Yep. And this is part of what makes it hard: is like, are we giving up on this empire? That is who it is, and they say, well, it's already there's nothing to give up; it's gone. There was a, another thing I forgot about uh, when when castlin goes up into a tower like there's all these like uh, metal rods sticking out of the wall or something to that effect and usually you can hear them vibrating because there's they carry messages from different uh parts of the empire um and in this case they were all silent except one and it was basically like uh i imagine like a beep 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 beep, 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 beep like some sort of morse code they, type they, of they thing read it out yeah it like says, and it, what does it say uh, the equivalent of uh oh shit oh shit get to azir yeah <laughs> so it, it was like the reason that tower was empty is because the call came out that everyone needed to get back to Azir. And, and I think it's implied that a bunch of people went to Azir already, yeah. like that they already escaped out through the, again, somebody made a decision about to close the gate 
and to save themselves, right? Well, mm-hmm. and did Kazlan know that this was going on? No, not while he was out on the wall. I don't think so. Nope. So Kazlan was in toll. Like, people knew nope. this. And he was number four on this, five on, this, on the five on legs. Four or five. I'm not sure. Yes, this is a big deal, right? Only like seven through six, seven, and eight knew. This, this is the most nonsensical scale that we have held on to. I, I mean, yes, but to our to our previous uh, feeling like we need uh, logic underpinnings, I mean, it's the best we've got. Well, I mean, is it fair? We, we, will, we will see. Okay, so they 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 shut the gate <laughs> and they boogie down to the the, the underway. Um, that's about it, and they escape, and that's the end of the book. God yep. dang it! I, except they lose they lose a ton of people when they close the gate, like mothers and sisters and blah 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 are all. Oh, what do you gotta? Head. What do you gotta humanize them, man? Like, well, because chaff. It says in the book we don't leave any Atlantics behind, and they leave the Atlantics behind, right? Yep. What they should have done is like, excommunicate them before they shut the date, and they're like, it's no big deal. So there's an advantage to going through the underway. Yeah. Is that it's faster to get to the gate than if uh, Blood Tongue were to be traveling over the hills and the lands. Correct. But it's not an exclusive gate. You still you can get there the same way. It's just a longer time to get yep. there. Yep. Right. Um, and it leads into the the lodge. Of the very Fire Slayer clan that betrayed them. The the gate does? Or the tunnel yeah. does? The tunnel, the tunnel does. does. The like tunnel. It's, it leads to the gate and the, the lodge at the same time. Like I think yep. they're at the same general. The gate is in the yep. lodge, which is in the tunnel, which is in the city. You've so, done it. Yeah, good job. You painted a picture with your words. As, they, uh, as they're making their escape, they, um, Kaslan becomes aware that, uh, that Blood Tongue is somehow keeping pace with them, right? And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, that's impossible. Like it would take, it would take days to cross the hills. And like, well, with chaos, nothing is impossible, uh, says Caslin, which is a worrying uh, statement uh, coming from coming from somebody. Yeah. Um, worried about. <laughs> uh, and they they well, say, well, and and real quick to unpack that a little bit. I mean, we've gone from him being like the the sacred geometries are perfect, invincible. Mm-hmm. Uh, to him, uh, you know, kind of getting that staff and starting to think a little bit outside of that box and accept some other truths. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that as the step of like nothing's impossible for chaos seems like it's, and and he's done some things to try and control other people um, and, you know, do some things. So, I mean, it seems like he's, uh, although we know that the songs are, are what kind of can bolster people. Uh, so maybe that's not, but I, I have this feeling that this is kind of, kind of part of the unraveling that leads to that 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 kind of what we're getting to so him using magic him opening his mind up to what's possible outside of the sacred geometries kind of exonerating a little bit or admiring the the power of chaos a little bit um Mm -hmm. there's some things there maybe part of what he also detects is that blood tongue is traveling with a small force not sure how (laughs) small but a small force and so says we got a chance here like what if we what do we cut the head of this? Like we're not getting the winner, but we might get this guy. Yeah. And with that, his pursuit falls apart. Um, you know, knowing that these chaos forces are frequently might descend in fighting, you know, lose all that. So she uh, develops this plan where she's going to launch an ambush. Uh, you know, Livius says, what, what kind of emperor would I, you know, well, so um, 
uh, Keslin is saying, well, they're going, they're going to go to their deaths. And Livius is saying, well, it's, it's an honorable death that they're hoping to do in defense of their empire and their emperor and their remaining people here to buy them time to escape. What kind of an emperor would I be to deny him that? And he's so miserable that he's like, maybe I should join them. You know, like maybe I could put an end to this awfulness uh, by, by joining in. But there's a problem with this plan. Yeah. It's exactly what they wanted. <laughs> it's a trap. Can we uh, put images up? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get right on that. Sure, please do. I know you're uh, not real busy. Since you got the alarm, I'll get the, the photo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it turns out they, they, they go after this and it seems like, you know, they're going to, so a bunch of the, the Atlantic warriors, you know, the, the more well-armed ones, obviously underneath Sola go up to, to attack them. They attack them head on and, uh, Sola somehow is able to kind of find a path to climb up above, um, where, so how they were able to get them find, get, stay so close is that chaos technology of flight. Um, there's a little bit of just har- some harpies. Is it harpies? Furies? Yes. Uh, Furies and, uh, and, uh, a, a zinch disc that the, that, um, blood tongue. Blood tongue. I wanted, I wanted to say meat tongue, but sure. whatever. Meatloaf. Um, meatloaf. Uh, now I want to sing a song. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but so he's flying on a zinch disc and she climbs up on these like metallic metal shard type spires and gets above him. Just dramatic jump and uh, comes down on top of him with a sword and he turns around and with a smug like smile of, I knew you were there. <laughs> what a jerk. He does. Um, he has like, uh, uh, so slowly the chaos sorcerer opened his outstretched hand, a ball of roiling bale fire glowing between his spread fingers. Then like a doting grandfather about to share a secret, he winked at Sola. <laughs> <laughs> So they're fighting and losing because they got they got uh, goaded into their trap, and the rest of them go through the Rome Gate, and it's cool. Sure, that's the end of the story. No, that's my that's my jam, man. Come on, come on. I didn't I didn't say the end. So Luvius decides I can't let them die alone. Leave the Atlantic behind, right? And so he he actually gives a. He gives an inspiring speech to the people. He says, there lies safety. There's the gate. You know, they made it all the way to the gate. There's yeah. safety. And there, li- there are comrades are fighting and dying for us. I'm going to go, you know, with them. I'm going to go fight along their side. Are you coming with me? Yeah. And then Caslin's yep. like, yeah, it's all great. And then they all die. That's the end of the book, right? <sighs> okay, now we're all taking it. Like, it's not yeah. even fun anymore. So that, I mean, but Caslin, you know, who's been this, like, get in the gate. Everybody keep going. Get in the gate. We're going to have to. We have to accept some casualties. It's practical. Get in the gate. Um, he he also is kind of like, you know, yes, we are. <laughs> we are Atlantic. You know, and he kind of shows that deep down side, he also feels the need to to fight, right? Um, and 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 preserve a little bit more. And what he do does say, I can hardly go through the realm gate alone. What would I tell Sigmar? Oh, and... And then he unleashes as a magic, and it's this all like called sacred geometries stuff that's protecting them, right? It's exactly what happens, right? What? No, that's not what happens. All this Zinchian magic shows up and starts mutating the Atlantic soldiers that are fighting. Well, it, it's 
So to explain, he gives in to the staff, right? To to kind of harken it back, just like so he's going in, he's desperate, and instead of uh, he would love the time to figure out, and he has this, he talks about it like I wish I had the time to unlock the secrets of the staff to to engage its powers without getting lost in its power, like without getting you know caught up in it, but. If I can, but I have no time. And so almost without, instead of like it being a planned thing, he just lets it flow through him. And, uh, you know, he does a few things. Like he puts up a shield. A ge- he does use the sacred geometries to put up kind of like a, uh, a pyramid uh, over his Atlantic troops, right? What shape, what shape was it? Pyramid. Oh, pyramid. Okay, gotcha. Pyramid. That's what um, and, uh, and so he does use some of that, but then it starts warping a little bit. As he's using it more forcefully, it you know starts off as a straight line, but again it's zigzaggy and it gets um, you know twisted a little bit and it's curving. He's and he's like, well, you know maybe maybe it's okay, maybe maybe chaos, like the truth is in both chaos and order, you know. And he, so he he's definitely like like these sacred geometries are kind of like it's not a it's not a rule, it's more of a guideline, uh, you know. Um, and so he's you definitely see the sense that he's certainly got good intentions. But he is his his resolve is crumbling fast, and his inf, he's getting influenced like, like you know, nobody's spoiled, spoiled milk. I don't influence like spoiled milk. It, so what all the kids are saying? You are super <laughs> hip and cool. You said it. <laughs> I'll say it again. Uh, <laughs> what? So do they win? Do they lose? Like I'm I'm enthralled. Keep telling me this story. So, uh, I so mean, you go for they it. kill Blood Tongue because Luvius decides he's going to not be a baby. And he goes and he slaughters Blood Tongue because the sword, Widow Bane, is a magical sword. And Blood Tongue turned out to be a widow. Ah, you beat me to it. That's right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, and, a not so tough one. <laughs> and, uh, and then they kill all the harpies. And they're like, yeah, we did it. And we can go through the Realm Gate and go see Sigmar and everything is great, right? It, I mean, it is a cool fight where, like, all three of them get involved. Um, Sola is, like, straight up bear-hugging this guy, you know, and I'm like, she's just gone desperate. But, yeah, so they, they defeat him, like, okay, we did it. We're living. Like, let's go. Like, we, we upheld Atlantic honor. Let's go back to Azir. It's, and they go knocking on the door. Yeah. And then they get a little message that says, uh, sorry, Sigmar's not home right now. Uh, please leave a message. Knocking on heaven's door. Oh, in a very literal sense. Actually, that yeah. song is very appropriate. Yeah. Uh, it, door's locked. Can't get through, is, is nope. the gist of it. The sword breaks. Sola's sword literally breaks in half. Oh, sure. Too true. Um, and I, what's everybody's reaction? How, how, how would you react to something like that? Uh, well, Kalsen, uh, you know, so Sola pushes off the wall. Um, Livius is not understanding right away, and Calson's like the, the realm gate. He's barred it. Livius, I don't understand who. Who do you think? Sola didn't even bother to hide her anger. So, you know, it, it's a little bit of uh, they're all having these various reactions, like lack of understanding or disbelief or anger. You know, all these uh, understandable like reactions, like the steps of uh, uh, the seven steps of yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh Sola goes like scream rose from deep within her chest like she she smashes so this is where she like she it's not that she it breaks like she just starts swinging at the realm gate and breaks her sword um you know uh the sword that she's held 
in the name of Sigmar for so long, you know, she breaks it battering at this, this realm gate. Um, so, and like her sword, yeah. thus her spirit is broken. Yeah, right. And mm. her faith in Sigmar. Mm. And her, uh, her faithful standard bearer, um, Arda here, which was, for those who didn't get it, that was Paul's pun at the start. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody got it. Everybody yeah, sure. dug it. Um, he's, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to counsel like, okay, like let's figure out another way or like what's, what's our, what's our thing, what's our move forward here. And then, uh, the, the dawn breaks and, uh, all along the ridge is the winnower and his many, many legions, including, uh, banners that used to be part of the Atlantic. Like there's, there's clearly, um, allies that have turned. Um, so if you want a moment of despair, does it get any worse than, you know, that desperate hope that you fought so hard for made it to the gate, did everything you could, had this improbable victory over the chaos sorcerer. And, uh, and now your last hope is closed off. And not only that, but there's, uh, there's those in front of you that have, uh, betrayed you in there. Pretty rough moment. It was a pretty awesome line where she's for a moment, she's like, they've all come to rescue me. Right. Like she sees the banner, she sees the armor and she's like, they're all here. They've all come to fight. And then she sees the blood spatters and then she sees the chaos workings. Then she goes, they've all turned. Right. And then they go speak to the winnower. Yeah. Livia says, Livia says, I think he wants to talk. Uh, and her sergeant again, trying to count, like trying to be the the wise. He says, "We don't hear anything that guy has to say." And then I like this moment. So I was like, "Maybe he wants to surrender." Like <laughs> of that, you know, nuts, right? You know. Uh, so uh, uh, anyway, so yeah, go no, ahead. Paul. I like that line a lot. Yeah. Um, so they walk up and they talk to the winnower, and they and he's like, "Um, well, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Well." We're fighting to defend the remnants of the Atlantic Empire. And the winner stretches out his hand to his army and says, I have more remnants of the Atlantic Empire here than you do there. Yeah, yeah. Who are you defending? Yeah. Uh, and, and that basically breaks their spirit. And they go, what are we defending? Like, I mean, Kazlan's obviously gone a little bit over to the far side, right? Because he has a sentient staff. But it turns out that Sulla and Kazlan and Luvius all are like, you know what? This is the truth. This is the Atlantic Empire. If we're going to not leave one left behind, this is how we do it. But Sulla's still like, but I want to kill you, Windor. Like, you're my enemy. You've destroyed everything I stand for. And it's like, great. So does every single person behind me. <laughs> Get in line. Yeah. Bring it. Uh, and then he this says, is how like... I make you strong enough. Yeah, he says if you want to, if you really want to kill the fathers of chaos, come over on my side. You'll kill more. You'll have the chance to kill more fathers of chaos than you ever will if you, you know, if you stay on your side. Which got some validity. But I, I didn't want to uh, just blitz by, like when the winnower takes his helmet off. You guys remember this piece where, like, yep. um, says his voice was surprisingly soft. He removed his helmet, revealing an unexpectedly mild face, small and round cheeked, with a weak chin and a widow's peak of thinning brown hair. This guy, he's, right? a <laughs> he's a widow. He's it a widow. It was Aaron. Uh, more, <laughs> more like what Sulla would have expected from a clerk than a bloody-handed warlord. And so it's another thing of like, you know, there's this idea of like the banality of evil. Like when you it, it and we don't see that a lot in, uh, in Warhammer in Age of Sigmar. Like 
you know, that evil is represented by these chaos gods, but here, uh, and so, and usually it's this big twisted monstrous looking thing with the demonic axe and horns and yada, yada, yada. And here's, here's a pretty normal looking guy. And that, um, you just yada, yada, yada corn. <laughs> maybe That's uh, one of their war cries. <laughs> yada, 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 yada. Uh, cool. You know, bring it back. Uh, but this this idea of like, oh, you know, I, I was expecting when this helmet came off, he'd just be this, you know, uh, incomprehensible monster, but he's just a guy. And then that makes it all the easier to talk to him, which makes him all the more dangerous, right? Yeah. Well, and, and kind of looking, um, putting that point on, you know, again, I am said put a point on all these things. You know, we've got these kind of like, we, we leave the, you know, the rabble outside, the, the shanty town outside the castle. We're going to close the door. Uh, well, then maybe we'll open it. And there's this big point of like, do we shut it or not? And that kind of made people upset. Um, but then, you know, at, at all these points that they're, they're making these small compromises and uh, you know, that are kind of being selfish and they, they kind of, it, it op- <laughs> by closing all those doors and making those compromises, they open the door to doubt. They open the door to kind of justifying, well, who is, who are you being loyal to? The, a god or a, or a, a leadership that wasn't loyal to you to a bloodline that wasn't loyal um you know and so you know it, i think there's again that juxtaposition that sigmar was doing the same i mean it, it's sound logic but it, it creates a lot of of room to um breed that disloyalty or or um to come off as to be to be seen as to be um interpreted as uh, being disloyal to the people that you know were depending on you to bring up a point on that actually um so they keep talking about which doors they want to open and close like you said it's come up a few times and they've always been on the right side of the door like they've always been on the the, the safe side and they can pick and choose like whether or not to open it this is the first time they've been on the wrong side of the door and someone chose to close it on them um which is kind of a uh weird juxtaposition um which well, i never really caught before right uh and yeah. they, they, they've subtly been on the wrong side before right like sola uh feels that uh, her prayers aren't being answered anymore that mm-hmm. Sigmar. So like she's, she's had some hints, like some foreshadowing of this to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly with um, Kaslin, when uh, he realizes that the, the signal has gone out, like, Hey, run back to his ear. And like, well, nobody told me, you know, like, so uh-huh. they've, they haven't, this is the first time it's been, you know, concrete, like we are out They've but it's been, uh, it's been hinted at before. And so that, I think that maybe makes it hit home all, all the more. Um, I would say this, uh, this conversation with the cast warlord goes on for several pages. And I, it's just about worth, worth the price of admission here. Like it's, it's really uh, a mm-hmm. cool moment. Um, one of my most enjoyable bits of dialogue, um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll jump on with Eric here in the, in the black library so far, as far as dialogue goes like back and forth, we don't always have a ton of that, um, particularly not from uh, like opposite factions like Chaos speaking with uh, with Order. And even then when we usually have it, it's in the heat of battle and they're snapping things at each other. And here there's time for some discussion back and forth. And What, what about that one book when they, uh, the one guy was like, rawr, at the one guy? Like, that was real. Like, <laughs> put me in the or yada, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, but it, it, this, is, this conversation is one of the things most about this this whole piece of fiction well and especially because how convincing it is like yeah. he's, he's he's right at every step like it's man i just yeah. got turned to chaos somehow like uh, surprisingly <laughs> um 
And here's here's a question for you. In the beginning, he thinks that it's logic that will save him, when in the end, it's logic that dooms him. That turns him over. Yep. Um, and then the book ends. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. It does. No, really. No. We're close, no. dear listeners. Yeah, we're close. Um, yeah. All right. So he's standing there, and the winner is talking to them, and then the winner brands them. Right? Yeah. They accept his promise, and he brands them. And then they turn around to be like, hey, guys, we got some great news. We don't have to fight these guys. This is great. And then what happens? You tell us. Uh, they are oh, you didn't know, did you? Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm out of hearing. Can you say that again? Uh, he, uh, he leads the charge to go and fight back. The... Because they saw them go talk to the winner and trade sides. And they're like, no. This is not who we are. Yep. And the three of them are forced to kill the remnants of the refugees. And and like that, they're like, oh, these guys are the enemies. They exactly. we, we gave them a chance. We yep, oh right. man, they, they made their choice. Whoops. Yeah. And they closed the door on them. Yep. Metaphorical door. But like, I mean, the refugees did I think did attack first. Like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> don't start you're, you're you're totally right. You're totally right. But no, I mean, it, but that, that slow justification and ability to kind of turn them in, in such kind of small ways, almost like a, a, a gear slowly turning. Um, and yeah. then, you know, they turn on the very people they spent the entire book trying to rescue. Well, and um, here's, yeah. here's the awful part about it, like, because this, this book has been following this, like, kind of horrible logic uh, as it goes along. And uh, uh, they're like, there's our followers and they're, you know, they're hurling stuff at us and they, they won't accept us anymore like what do we do now and they're like they look back and they're like well the winnowers is gonna slaughter them like like maybe you know maybe we should do it so it's like it, it would be a mercy like so they're saying like well now the most merciful thing for us to do is for us to to kill them um uh, i don't know if we can uh and they they say uh we don't abandon our own and so this logic is now, yep. we don't abandon our own we're gonna go you know finish off these refugees Man corrupted geometries geez yeah yeah that's cool i would argue all geometries corrupted <laughs> <laughs> a squared plus b squared does not equal c squared that's wrong so, Pythagoras can go straight to hell um and, and no, what's, <laughs> what i was gonna say and we get another instance with uh is it uh arda here the second in command of solas yeah yeah he reforged lightning to the sky lightning comes down it takes him away yeah, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's not, but I wish I knew like who he ends up being. I, I mean, that is. I'm sure he doesn't actually have a, 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 a stormcast right now, but still. Yeah. Uh, so then the uh, you know the three of them march back towards the horde and they're cheered. The winner's horde cheers their arrival, and that's where the book ends. Yeah. But it doesn't really end. Uh, no. Actually, well, and it, it, I mean, some other interesting things. Just thinking about like. You know, those logics like that Castlin would have time to unpack the mysteries of the staff. Like when a moment goes, like, I will never have time. And he and and Sola can can become the hero that she's saying there are no more heroes. And hey, there's heroes. And then to. Well, but the other thing, the other thing with Sola is my God doesn't listen. And the Winnowar says the chaos gods always listen. It's a BS line. It's a BS line. So the the God who doesn't listen to the gods who listen out, right? Illuvius, all he wants to do is set down this burden, right? Yeah. And the winner is like, you're just another soldier, right? 
you can leave no, he doesn't, burden. He doesn't even say that. He's like, what do I get? And he's like, nothing. Yeah. Like, like you don't have to have responsibility. You don't have to like take, you, you don't have to do anything. You just get to be done. No, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Luvius. Luvius. Yeah. So hacking up widows. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, that's really it, right? Like when they talk about the widower and he describes him, he literally has a widow's peak, right? So Luvius is standing face to face with someone who he has the power to kill. Yeah. Right, and instead One of blow. killing him, he talks to him. Right, mm-hmm. so that it is. Yep. Um, but one of the interesting things that I thought was not put into the book, but really interesting, is they <laughs> obviously have this fire slayer lodge, right? Yeah. Where they're walking through the fire slayer lodge and they're betrayed by the dwarves. Yeah. And they're very clear that the dwarven would betray them, and how could they betray them? And they, they were they were in this um, alliance for forever, and. They don't talk about the betrayal or what actually happened, just that they did betray them. But not a word is said about the Caradron overlords. And the Caradron overlords are literally up in the sky watching this happening and doing nothing. Yeah. So yeah, they have it, betrayal from below it, and betrayal it, from above. Yeah, because this was, I mean, they, they would be getting ready to exist at this time. Like this, these are the, the opening, the age of chaos. It would drive them higher and higher to the mountaintops until they got nothing, nothing left to do. So. I would agree. Ko may not exist yet. The whole culture. Okay. Well, because my point. Yeah, I, I made that point like an we hour got him. ago. We got him, guys. Good gone. job. Ha! Ha! Wrong. So you're Aaron, Aaron, play negative, the buzzer again. You're at negative points now. Oh, so you man. you owe all of us points. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, and and so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. I think that this the book fits a really interesting spot in the timeline, as you were saying, Aaron, is that it like. It's 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 as that moment when Sigmar closes the door, and and how it affects, like one, how does it, it you know it string it, it chaos has this surge of strength then from all these doubting uh, faithful that just didn't make it in time, right? Yeah. Um, and so how you're saying whenever Sigmar closes a door, he opens a winnower. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you're, in the, you're in the green again. You're in the black. I'll abstain from voting on that one. I, I feel like the the power of our. I feel like angels got wings and fairies, you know, are flying right. more. So my last question is: Do you think this Fire Slayer Lodge became Caradron Overlords? Do you think no. this is the beginning of the Exodus? No? I don't. There's I don't. Metal. Well, you can. Right? <laughs> but there's no there's no line saying that. Fire Slayers become KO, right? Oh, no. It was it was uh, Warden Kings and Dispossessed, like the more traditional. Uh, that's, that's, well, and as far as we know, I just don't think it's a line you can assume. Mm-hmm. Some Fire Slayers may have, you know, joined them, Possibly. Um, like you know, like Tom Lyons Fire Slayers. Sure, maybe sure. you joined them. <laughs> but and I, it feels like in a lot of stories, there's a lot of grudges against Warden. Which I feel like steals the like the whole grudge thing from Dwarden. Everyone else should be just like, eh, kind of sucked, and then leave it at that. That'd be more on the nose. You lost me. Who's your favorite character? Who's your MVP? Oh, guys? tell me about tell me about who who you identified with. You guys knew I was going to ask. How do you not have an answer yeah. to this question? No, I think it's. As we've talked about it, I think that's changed a lot. I mean, my my favorite, I think, was Kaslan. You know, starting from the geometries and kind of the 
his um, kind of story arc going from everything needs to be this, this, and this uh, lines, perfect, whatever, to very much being like, you know, there's some, probably some truth here in this, in the, in the chaos, there's truth in the waviness. There's, you know, in that whole, like, certainly the staff was a part of that corruption. Um, the environment was part of that corruption. Um, but I, th- I thought there was just a, like to the end, even, you know, like he came around too. like, I need to do pragmatic things. I'm, I'm felt shunted by the people who, you know, were supposed to, you know, be at the top and, you know, blah to him making a lot of those, the same decisions as those people who are, you know, the eight leggers. Um, and, uh, so I, I thought, I mean, I thought he was a very pretty complex character and had some really cool powers. Yeah. I think I got magic and lasers. I like him. I think his was the most, um, clear character arc you could very clearly see how he got he started from point a and he ended up in, at point b and so like yeah. because from what you've just described like i i, I can see that Did you say there was a geometry to that story arc a parabolic arc looks like this <sighs> yeah just open oh, yeah he does um paul who's your who's your mvp uh emperor seracia tell me why i thought she was just a really cool character um Kind of talked about it before, how she had the steel and the gold armor. She's just a very independent character. I like the idea of the fact that, like, everybody knew that there was nothing left, right? And she still went, and she was at the head of a phalanx of Empire Knights when she went to go do this. And just, like, it was cool to have a character that was doing this epic battle, but you didn't get to be there. You just got to watch the epicness of it, right? There was no small movements. There were no small gestures. It was all epic and writ large. And then she was taken up, right? Like, that's just a really cool way to write a character. Let's sure. put it that way. Would you say that she was the ruler of cool? Uh, I don't know. Are we talking metric? Are we talking inches? I'm not sure. Oh, so Geometry. You turned it right around. I mean, I didn't think you would. Would you say that had she not been taken up as a stormcast, that she might have become a Kradron overlord? <laughs> well, it depends on how far that lightning bolt went, right? Would you, would you, say, she, would you say she was always a Kradron overlord? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, she's got the silver and gold thing going on. I just She's got the sword and the shield and the, yeah, no, yeah. no, not at all. <laughs> Davey, the question that's been burning in my mind is, who is your MVP and why? Uh, I'll go with Sola, and that is because I found her uh, identifiable um, or easy. Well, easy is maybe the wrong word, but you could identify with where, like, she just, we get to her at the end of this long campaign. She's been asked to, like, I mean, you know, warfare is a horrific thing anyway warfare against chaos is even more so and when the end of like everything that you have valued is coming about like she's been put some desperate times and then the rock that she may have counted on for such a long time is no longer there sigmar like she's been driven to some pretty desperate lengths and she's still trying to do the valiant thing doing the right thing and um it's one of those falls that isn't like you know it's not like uh episode two attack of the clones where you know well i guess i'm gonna kill a bunch of kids now or you know whatever whatever movie that happened in but it was it was like you could track the progress of how she got where she was um yeah and everyone's got their breaking point right like so i don't know she she just hit it but it was not it wasn't like snap and done it was it was this slow erosion and so you could see it you could see it happening um 
the wrong things were happening for some of the right reasons. Um, so she just felt like a very human character to me, I guess. Cool. Right on. Aaron. Uh, yeah. My, my, my dude was, uh, already here because he, his name makes for some really good puns. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, you would think naturally if we were going to cover all our, the characters we liked the most, like you would think I would go, uh, what's his name? Livy, Livius, Livius. Um, but that guy sucked. So like, that's not my guy at all. Um, <laughs> I, I like the dude. I mean, he didn't have the most depth. Uh, this, this art here, he's the, the standard bearer for Sulla. Um, and I think that's a good job for him because he ends up being real stalwart. Um, yeah. And sort of steady. Yeah, yeah, pretty quintess. I mean, and yeah, sure, he's one dimensional because of that, I suppose. But um, it's, I could definitely put myself in his shoes to sort of see the de evolution of the three main characters. Um, and sort of, I, I can picture how, how I would feel um, sort of looking through his eyes. Um, and especially seeing like the final scene and, and, and how he had to, you know, face the the degeneracy of what, what the, the people he just presumably was following up this whole time. So like you very much could feel for him and it's hokey, but the idea that like he, for the most part, he went to the same lengths and same troubles that those three did. I mean, he, I guess he wasn't in charge per se, but like he still saw faced the same horrors they did and he was able to stick it out. Uh, just sort of speaks to, you know, it speaks to his character a little bit better. Um, yeah. He becomes kind of her, the, her trajectory throughout the whole thing. Like she's, he's with it and you, very drastic when he starts doubting her when he starts being like disagreeing with her sure you can start to see where the yeah. cracks form exactly and i think as he started realizing i too was realizing at the same time like i mm-hmm. i'm dumb i never put two and two together like the the title of the book and like where this was like all going like until until they turned bad i wasn't catching it um but i still I, I, my doubts grew as his doubts uh grew i can't well, say but the other my, thing, go ahead uh the other thing that was really interesting about this book is that it's called path to glory right and you're like okay path to glory it's not called Paths to Glory. I thought one of them was going to turn, not all three. And so when all three of them turned, I was like, oh, okay. Like, cause that's not, we've never read, like, even in the old world, we've never read about three people turning at the same time. It's always about that personal journey. And what's really interesting about this book is that it's about three personal journeys and they all hit the same point at the same time and switch sides at the same time. And that's something we've really not. So that, was, that was the only thing is that the title didn't seem to fit for me. <laughs> Maybe I don't have the same concept of the path to glory. Well, it it is a reference. The path path to glory first existed as a reference to chaos war bands. Like it's the, yep. so okay. I, I think it was a callback uh, to that. Yeah. I mean, they'd subsequently given path to glory rules to all the uh, armies, but like, I yeah. think the first, like yeah. Davis, I think the first ones are all the chaos armies. Um, okay. Yeah. So I think cool. armed, armed with the title and then, as, I think as soon as uh, as soon as uh, Kaslin like had like got to the staff, I was like my brain kicked over. I was like, "Oh, I think I might know what's going on here," and I love it, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. I think yeah. I remember dropping a message to that effect to the to the group. I mean, I mean, almost word for word, I think that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a question. We got time for a couple questions here. We got yeah. questions. Yeah. So, so here's. Here's something that's interesting to me, and, and maybe it's because I was I, picking Sola as my MVP. But um, we talked about her losing faith, and the way the way the characters in the mortal realms uh, interact with and deal with divinity is not the same way that a lot of us today uh, think about it. You know, they're the gods that they 
pray to and such are you know you don't need to like oh i just believe you know or whatever it's you can see these you could you could theoretically see them walking by or something like that right so like um there's more proof of existence and so uh but not always you know so maybe maybe she hasn't um but the question of like how much is faith uh how much their faith needs to be just based on i believe and versus i have proven to me have had proven to me is is one thing and then but also the, these pantheons are made up like more like these greek pantheons that where they have flaws and they make mistakes they're not omniscient they're not omnipotent they're very powerful very knowledgeable but when you believe that your your gods can make mistakes then that opens that creates more of a door to be open for doubting right um or closing doors, actually, in this book. This book's all about closing doors. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, on the one hand, you know for a fact that your God exists. Like, know it, know it. Yep. But on the other hand, you know that your God can make mistakes. So, where does that leave you? You know, in the in trying to maintain your faith in a situation like this, right? Sure. Does it make it easier or worse? Like, is that a right. better state exactly. to be in? Exactly. So. I mean, some I, I don't know the answer, but some folks would rather not know. Like, I. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I thought, uh, as I was trying to decide, you know, cause she, she starts out the book already questioning her faith. That that's what was going through my mind is trying to figure out like, how did she get to that point? And is it harder or easier for her as a result of how things are arranged in this world? So. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think a lot of, a large part of Sola's character is that she put all her faith on the Empress. When the Empress died, right. That was literally a sign from Sigmar that he was there and caring. Right, because he took her up. He said, "Yep, she's one of these faithful." Mm-hmm. Right, but Sulla couldn't see it. Right, she didn't know that that's what the sign was. Right, and so yeah. she's sitting there this whole time saying, "Sigmar has not answered my prayer." And the first scene of the book, Sigmar answers her prayer, just not in the way that she wants it to be answered, or that anybody recognizes necessarily, or that anybody recognizes right. exactly. Right, which is and a very spends, common religious uh, thing. Yeah. In in modern day, is the you know, do they do they not answer or are they just not answer the way you are seeing or expecting or right? Sigmar yeah. works in mysterious ways. Well, yeah. uh, and you know this what I did like this arc because it reinforced there was a statement real early on in the Realmgate Wars um, where the Stormcast have returned, they're newly returned to the mortal realms, and I think they get attacked by a Zinchian warband. And uh, one of, and I wish I could remember which character, but one of one of the Stormcast characters is like, well, let's not judge these guys too hard, harshly. Like, who knows what they had to endure while we were behind the gates of Azir, right? Yeah. Like, um, and here we're seeing exactly what it was. You know, this this is what they had to endure. This you know, nigh upon impossible thing. Uh, but the whole reforging thing, like we know, people got pulled before they died. You didn't always have to die to get reforged. We know also that you could get reforged theoretically even after you turn to chaos, right? Or even Torglug if the after despised. turned undead. Sure, exactly. But Torglug the Despised ends up in a pit, gets corrupted, still gets <laughs> reforged. So, you know, it, it uh, it's hard to figure out where, you know, it have been easier for Sulla if she was like some of these other folks who got pulled and reforged uh, earlier. Or what if she had, you know, what if she had died in battle? Yeah. Yeah, if she died against against Blood because, And so does she lose her chance of being reforged just because she was pushed farther? She wasn't like the Empress who got to die fighting the Winnower. She got stuck 
you know, trying to trying to save who she could towards the end. And as a result, she gets pushed. She hits her limit. And, uh, you know, she she endured trials that some of these others didn't have to. So is that is that fair to her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whose well, side are you on? <laughs> well, the other really interesting thing about Sully's character is that all these things you're talking about, she's on the right side of the door, but she always starts on the wrong side of the door, right? She thinks she's coming to rescue the city of Gears. But she gets there and she's being rescued from within, right? She gets to the gate and she thinks that she's going to lead them into, um, lead all of these refugees into the tunnel. But then she gets inside and she can't stop them from leaving them behind. Right, like, and even the railgate, she wants to go through, but she can't get through. She's always on the wrong side of the gate, right? And it's just—it's it, a really interesting perspective because Luvius is on the right side of the gate, right? And he makes some very bold and valiant choices, but then when the option to give up needing to make those choices is presented to him, he's like, "This is great," right? Well, like, and to further your point, you know, she sees those uh, the Atlantic warriors and and kingdoms right up and she thinks she's about to get saved again but mm-hmm. the, her her saviors are not sigmar right yeah which yeah i mean the you know and and this kind of to the point of you know we were talking about this a little bit and i alluded to it I, I, yeah these gods are are like more like greek pantheon right they have human characteristics are based on that um, and I don't, I don't always think that like, you know, he was a human, by the way. Right. Right. But that being a God is necessarily about being flawed or not flawed as especially lowercase G, but, um, you know, it's, it's about how much power you have, right? Like what can you, what, when Sigmar does a thing, it ripples, right? It can affect like, you know, whole sections of a, you know, a realm, um, or it can affect an entire realm. You know, he can he has the power to close all those doors, et cetera, or reshape souls or all that kind of stuff. And, and what's and and to the point too of like whenever you're on the wrong side of the gate, the person who closed the gate is evil. Mm. When you're ever on the right side of the gate, quote unquote, there's either mercy or there's some sort of justification for it. Mm. Um, and I th- and I think what. And in some cases, the two people, the, the people on both sides have the exact same perspective. One's just luckier than the other. Mm-hmm. In the case of somebody like Sigmar, his, I mean, who can be like when the gates are open, he can have aspects of himself in multiple places, right? And has the kind of knowledge of what's happening and, and where the war is going and not having, you know, Galmaraz or blah, 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 blah. And, what, and, the, and the, his pantheon is tumbled down i mean before the age of chaos Tyrion and teclas are and and malarian are off doing their own thing and already splitting the party right um never split the party never split the party so i mean like he's already kind of like hey i got this whole group together to try and make sure that everybody was protected but i've got i'm just one god (laughs) so i mean his perspective is you know on one hand can be judged is judged by the people who are on the wrong end of his judgment on the other side you can't possibly know what he knows to make that decision. Right. Yeah. And uh, as, as someone who, you know, like I give him a hard time and we joke about, you know, oh, oh he totally. ran away. You know, everyone jokes about, oh, he ran away to his ear, took his ball, went home, et cetera, et cetera. But like how much harder was it his, 
decision, you know, like I always thought about his decision to close the gates of his ear as being like, he's sealing the gates and he's writing off the lives of all these people. But not only was it that, but he was like, you know, consigning to some of these souls to damnation, you know, being claimed by chaos or turning to chaos or, you know, both basically. Uh, and so, man, like the cost of that decision was even higher than you at first realized on at first glance. So, yeah. Well, and I want to, I want to push further into that idea there. Um, and one of the really interesting things here is like one of the conversations that obviously comes up is, is Sigmar a tyrant because he's allowing all this stuff to happen or is he benevolent? Right. But when you're talking about closing the gate, right, knowing that he has no power to fight on and knowing that that's the best decision that he can make. And then the thing is, everybody's like, oh, he just sat up there and he did nothing. Right. But he didn't. He sat up there and he watched everything. Right. This is one of the worst moments of the mortal realms at this point. Right. You had this gorgeous, beautiful civilization that had survived for thousands of years. And you're talking and about knows, it. Go ahead. So, so he's watching this Atlantic Empire dissolve, and he's watching it. And you know he's watching it because he picks the ones that he wants to save. So he has to watch the destruction of the mortal realms and then choose which ones to take. But he watches every single moment of the destruction of the mortal realms. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, you're talking about a being it, who is it? traumatized by having this happen. Like, he's fought this fight exactly. before, and he's been on the losing side, and he can see he's about to be on the losing side again. And so then, I mean, maybe that steals your resolve to make those hard decisions when you're like, well, okay, mm -hmm. I got to do something to save it this time because it didn't work last time. Yeah. There's but there's a couple of things that I liked about what you said too, Davey, was in the sense of, like, he knew the cost better than anybody. Like when we see the, you know, um, Castlin and uh, Sola fighting against closing that gate, like they don't know the repercussions of that really, right? They know some people are going to die. That's what they believe. Well, they don't know that corruption. They don't know that, you know, those people aren't going to become the next warlord that kills the next, you know, group of whatever, like, or those souls get lost into chaos. Mm -hmm. um, and when you are, again, I mean, we see it with Teclas and the, and the elf gods is that they have the power to, Souls, souls don't don't necessarily cease to exist, right? They go on, and sometimes they they go to to Shyish, right? They're supposed to go to Shyish, but even from there, you can create new things from them. And so, then we get into this idea of like, is this uh, you know, in in the idea of like uh, um, past lives, right? You know, if if there's a this being that dies right now. Um, Ilarial or or Sigmar or one of the or Teclas could turn that soul into something else, right? Right. The soul is more important than the individual, maybe, right? The the being, the what exists below the the character, the personhood. You know, making sure that those things survive, um, perhaps is is a higher thing. And again, that's something that only a god is going to care about compared to, you know, you know. Uh, nameless you know peasant whatever. sure well and furthermore it's not just the good guys could do something good with them but rather the bad guys can also do something with them so you're not just making yourself weaker by getting losing those souls but you're potentially making the other side even stronger as opposed to just losing yeah, it. it's like a blood knight's shield i don't know one rend is like two rend what that's crazy <clears throat> sorry what else you guys want to talk about i think I'm that covers it for me uh, should we go through the gates? 
Peace out. Um, so do we want to do like a, a final, a final review? Yeah. 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 I do. All right. So my, I mean, I, I don't think, um, I don't, I don't know that I have a valuable like rating compared to other things, but, um, this was a, a fantastic use of my time. It was so enjoyable to, to read and I loved the characters. Um, so, and, and the fact that, uh, you know, this was, uh, Evan's first time in the moral realms. I would love to see, see more from Evan, uh, Dickens and, uh, did I get that right? Evan Dickens, um, Dickens, yeah. Dickin, no S. Um, and I would love to see him do some more uh, with either new characters or same characters or, or whatever. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Pat the Clory didn't make sense to me at first, but now it does. So I don't have any critiques. <laughs> nice. Uh, Pulse Pictures next next on my list. All right. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I would probably give it eight for eight, especially for such a short story. Having so much discussion and like so much interest in it. I thought it was really cool. Um, but any critiques, I probably would have liked just a little bit more high fantasy. But the City of Gears is pretty awesome. The Sacred Geometries is pretty awesome. So that's a very weak criticism more corridor and overlords <laughs> or more, yeah, or nice. spider fang would have been nice too oh yeah spider fang crazy <laughs> theory fodder <laughs> davy enlighten me um i very much enjoyed it highly recommend it um and it had that morally complex thing going on which is a huge bonus for me and like just made it made it engaging and uh in that short space wrote characters that i i believed um even livius who i initially I was like oh man like i'm gonna have to have a third of the book devoted to this guy he seems like kind of a a washout um he had a good arc uh towards the end and i was uh invested in that guy too so really excited uh like eric said really excited to have this guy in the stable of black library authors and hope that uh we get a chance to read something else by him soon right um for me uh i, I, I echo what everybody else has said uh, there's not much else to say but beyond what they said um it's a it's a very uh easily digestible um but not to say not, simple um book uh the, the characters are all very believable and i enjoyed following as we alluded to uh, the, the, following them through their arcs and they all had very distinct like clear followable arcs which uh was nice but by no means predictable uh, per se like, the title of the book notwithstanding um that the aos fiction i like the most is where we deal with like big picture events but then we see what like people's reaction to those events are so like we're dealing with the the beginning of the age of chaos the closing of the, the gates to his ear but i wanted I, I i like dealing with those realm shaking events but then seeing how uh, uh, an empire in the the realm of metal how they react to it how they deal with it it takes a big thing and really condenses it down into a small digestible uh way um and this this executes that perfectly and that's exactly like what i want to see in uh aos fiction so that's what it does good job one you did have more to say than what was said. And two, I told you that you're going to say, so I'm done podcast over. And I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you're, better, you're better at my jokes than I am. <laughs> well, yeah, you just create, you create the framework and all right, it's time for our reforging like, and subscribe our YouTube channel, comment below, uh, leave a review for us on iTunes. Come follow us on Podbean. follow us on Twitter at mortal realms. Davey, where can we find you on Twitter at red underscore Zeke? Aaron? I'm at, at DOSACEOS, D-O-S-A-C-E-O-S. Paul. And I'm at PJ Shard, P-J-S-C-H-A-R-D. And I'm at Stone Monk Gamer. Real quick, Thanks, can I jump Tom. in? Just, uh, so our, our the channels is at Mortal Realms. Like, if you guys read the book and you have other stuff that, like, things you thought were neat about the book, by all means, like, let us know. Like, 
I'm tired of talking to these three schmucks. I want to hear what, <laughs> what you guys have to say about Bob yeah. Bug. Aaron, you're done. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye, guys. Oh, it's still recording. Should I hit it?